I'm Jerome Hudson, Breitbart News Entertainment Editor, author of the book 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump, sitting in for Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief Alex Marlowe. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Well, Joe Biden gave an unhinged press conference that even left his pundits like Van Jones called meandering and foggy. Biden has world leaders calling him out right now over his comments about Russia and Ukraine, and his White House press secretary had to play cleanup duty. It was supposed to be a good day, but hours after Biden's catastrophic press conference, Republicans in the Senate handed him two more losses. GOP senators blocked consideration of two Democrat voting bills, and Democrats failed to get the votes to blow up the filibuster. I analyzed that. We got more bad Biden poll numbers and so much more. But first, hey, we're back making new memories in a new world. I found the best way to hold on to those memories is by turning them into art that lasts forever from paintyourlife.com. Now that we can get out and travel and take vacations, we want to celebrate some of our favorite times by turning our new memories into art. When I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought, what a great idea for a gift for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, etc. But I figured it must be expensive. Not so. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try paintyourlife.com. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. Or combine photos of people or places you love into one painting. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. User-friendly platforms make it easy to order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's fast. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. Send any picture of yourself, your children, family, a special place, someone you've loved who isn't around anymore, a cherished pet, even an action shot of you or your children playing your favorite sport. It makes the perfect birthday, anniversary, or wedding gift meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Breitbart to 64,000. That's Breitbart to 64,000. Text Breitbart to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Breitbart to 64,000. to start with uh, Joe Biden. What Mika Brzezinski just called on MSNBC a marathon two-hour press conference Joe Biden uh, delivered on Wednesday uh, at the White House. Uh, some other words, incoherent, catastrophic, dangerous uh, is how Republican, Republican senators um, are describing it. Uh, Joe Biden, I think the biggest story maybe is that he basically gave uh, Putin a green light uh, to invade Ukraine, which will be a very interesting topic, particularly when we bring uh, Francis Martel on um, big, big fat flash bang grenade. This whole Ukraine 
uh, situation and kind of revisionist history or just a, a complete erasure of history, given the fact that Russia uh, has annexed portions of Crimea, uh, has pushed into Ukraine uh, in recent years as well, uh, which doesn't even mention um, the fact that currently 20% of Georgia's um, internationally recognized territory is occupied by the Russian military. Um, but that's what the media will focus on, the big Russian uh, um, narrative coming out of this. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I asked for this. I have been asking for this. I wanted more Joe Biden in front of the cameras because I honestly think the more that the American people who probably don't really pay that much attention to politics, but certainly are feeling the effects of bad policy, the more that they see the, the, the reason for their pain and misery, Joe Biden talking, defending himself, or at least trying to, muttering and stammering, you know, head desks, looking at his watch, it was embarrassing. The more the American people see it, I think the more that they come to the conclusion of the people who were texting me yesterday, um, friends, colleagues, family members, words like insane, uh, can you believe this? Are you watching this? Well, of course I'm watching it. And I hope a lot of Americans watched it too. Uh, yesterday, Joe Biden gave a nearly two hour encapsulation of the utter failure that his presidency has been yesterday or today, I should say, marks the one year, um, mark in his, in his presidency. And that press conference yesterday to me was a perfect, uh, metaphor, if you will, for just how an unmitigated failure his first year in office has been it, it 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 shouldn't be a surprise that it's been 77 days since joe biden actually gave a press conference you you look at that performance and you go oh, that makes that makes a lot of sense i think joe biden's given 23 interviews and to joe biden's 22 interviews uh from january uh 2021 to the end of last year I think that Joe Biden embarrassed uh, himself, his administration, his party, the country probably made the world a little bit more dangerous geopolitically. I mean, if, if, if any dictators around the world here in the Western Hemisphere, certainly in Iran, Russia, China, uh, if they looked at that and, and had any doubt that there was competence uh, in the White House, then Joe Biden just reminded them that that's not so. I think we got a question here from, um, uh, uh, let me see, Jay Rosen used to be at Fox News. I think he's at Newsmax now. This question uh, stuck out to me, or this moment, and it was a very short exchange because Joe Biden's quite, his answer to Rosen's question um, was 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 so short, but it, it stuck out to me, which is saying a lot. Uh, because that entire press conference was such a roller coaster of insanity. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to, we're going to play a lot of Joe Biden from yesterday, but I wanted to play this one. Uh, Rosen asking this question, pointing out that half of the country uh, questions Joe Biden's mental fitness to do the job as president and commander in chief. Cut 10. Yes. Thank you very much for this honor. James Rosen with Newsmax. I'd like, to, um, I'd like to raise a delicate subject, uh, but with utmost respect for your life accomplishments and the high office you hold. A poll released this morning by Politico Morning Consult found 49% of registered voters disagreeing with the statement, 
Joe Biden is mentally fit. Not even a majority of Democrats who responded uh, strongly affirmed that statement. Well, I'll let you all make the judgment whether they're correct. Well, so the question I have for you, sir, if you'd let me finish, is why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? Thank you. I have no idea. You'd hear the intonation in James Rosen's voice. There's sort of like this calmness over uh, the entire room. Uh, and he's being very respectful. And Joe Biden just completely brushes off a question in which James Rosen explains that half the country doesn't think that you're mentally all there. Um, you know, let alone the fact that you are president of the United States or you are commander uh, in chief of the most powerful um, uh, military on the planet. Oh, I have no idea. Like the irony of that is you have no idea. This is probably something that you should have an idea about. This is probably something that you should have more to say about. You know, maybe you should shore up what James Rosen pointed out, which is like a plurality of your own party that thinks you aren't mentally fit to be president. That 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 moment to me, I think it came at least an hour into uh, the, 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 the the presser. But that moment to me said a lot like this guy is arrogant and could not care less about the things that clearly a lot of American people care about. And it's a really important one because, you know, he's a year in and it was horrible. A lot of times it's hard to sort of forget just how many uh, instances in which this presidency has been a failure. I mean, you see really, really bright inflection points like, you know, 13 uh, Marines and servicemen being slaughtered uh, with the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan. That's that's like a, that's a really big one. Obviously the, the death toll, the fact that, you know, the, the, the bodies were literally being brought home and Joe Biden repeatedly looking at his watch. I mean, when he does that in that solemn moment, that ceremony, it like these types of things come to mind. Why is he looking at his watch repeatedly as the caskets are are, are draped with the American flag or are being rolled off of airplanes? Like people think the first thing or maybe the top three or five things. One of the first things that comes to people's mind is like, is he is he OK? Boy, and I, that wasn't even the worst moment. My takeaway is I wasn't I wasn't so much surprised as I was at at time shocked, I guess. Um, and I'm a pretty grounded in reality guy, a little cynical, intellectually honest as as much as I can be. But to just see it and to see it go on for as long as it did, um, I was I was really I was waiting for the hook to just like come out of nowhere, like the old. Showtime at the Apollo show. Like I I don't even think that that people would have mind sort of a a, a court jester coming out and just pushing Joe Biden away from the lectern. Um, At other points in 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 the presser, I just you you could just you could just tell that 
on several issues, particularly the coronavirus, the administration is just completely rudderless. They have made mistake after mistake um, in terms of, of continuing the process of working with industry to to actually be sure that there are enough antibodies, that there are enough therapeutics, pills, you name it, on the market. And they cannot even get simple things like masks and mass production uh, underway. Like we're three years into this thing, and now apparently they're going, the government, the, the administration is going to ship out 400 million or uh, KN95 masks. I think it's 400 million. Um, which which will, which will leave like if 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 every citizen in the country, uh, if we assume there are three hundred and thirty three hundred forty citizens in the country, that will, that will leave a little bit uh, left over. Like we're three years into this, and, and the administration is essentially saying that we never actually had a serious conversation about masks after Anthony Fauci uh, was caught in emails, uh, not only in public downplaying the use of masks in the early days of the pandemic, but in in email saying that they do nothing and they and and, 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 and you know you're going to probably catch this airborne virus. But three years into it, those those little strings in the in the in the cloth, the paper, basically with the string that you've been putting on your face, yeah, it, yeah, they they did nothing just as as maybe you didn't even realize it. The mask, a friend says, has become. Uh, a mag- the MAGA hat to the left. But three years into it, now KN95s can go out. Like, like I know people who have ordered tests from covidtest.gov. I think that's the, the website. And just they're, they're, The expectation is that they'll never even receive the four tests to a household. Just completely rudderless on this issue, which drives so many other issues and crises he's faced in the country. Um, Joe Biden here speaking to the pandemic again incoherently, uh, but we'll try to figure it out. Cut one. I encourage the states and school districts that use the funding to protect our children and keep our schools open. Use it. The COVID-19 is not going to give up and accept things. Uh, you know, it's just it's not going to go away immediately. But I'm not going to give up and accept things as they are now. Some people may call what's happening now the new normal. I call it a job not yet finished. It will get better. We're moving toward a time when COVID-19 won't disrupt our daily lives. Where COVID-19 won't be a crisis, but something to protect against and a threat. Look, we're not there yet, but we will get there. This won't be our new normal, but covid isn't going anywhere. I don't know why he, he never actually elaborated. He never spoke to it like some of uh, the, the, some politicians in the UK, for instance, which has rolled back most, if not all, of its restrictions. He won't just he won't use words like we need to look at this as certainly a new influenza, if you will. We need to shift our thinking from pandemic to endemic. Like, I don't even know if he's reading off of a teleprompter or if he can't actually read the words off the teleprompter because in that moment in that 45 second clip he sort of meanders and stutters two or three times and in in sort of contradicted himself there it's, it's it, it won't be a new normal but it isn't going away what the hell is it which one is it both can't be true it's got to be one or the other and you get he went on uh later 
to to bash the unvaccinated, essentially pushing the same line that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Meanwhile, the, the people even getting booster shots are, are still catching the virus and probably spreading it. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it just got worse and worse as it went on. So he gave Joe Biden his speech, this press conference, round of, of question and answers. Um, it was six o'clock, I think, uh, almost six o'clock. He, I think he, I think he finished about 10 till 6 PM Eastern standard time within just a handful of hours. Another one of his, you know, legislative agenda items crashed and burned just like, just like we knew it would. All of his advisors had to know that it would. Chief of Staff Ron Klain. I mean, he's he's supposed to be the, the biggest brain in the room. Like they all knew the thing was going to crash. Chuck Schumer knew it was going to crash. Like, like I don't think the base wants a bone. I think the base wants these the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the Freedom to Vote Act. They want the things passed, but they never they were never going to pass. I am a broken record saying this. And I just, <laughs> I'm sure their donors are saying it. I'm sure high-level officials at the DNC, they don't have any hair anymore because they've pulled it all out. On Build Back Better, which is amazing that the administration is still talking about it. It's amazing, less so shocking, I guess, that the corporate Democrat media is still running with stories, still publishing leaks from inside of the White House. I mean, is it just me? But it's like that thing is dead. It is dead. Senior Democrat aides came out about two weeks ago and started leaking and floating to friendly uh, people in the press that, oh, they were going to break it up. You had a White House spokesperson come out just a few days ago and pour ice cold water on this whole notion that they'll break up large pieces of Build Back Better. And then you had Joe Manchin who is just walking around with a sledgehammer, constantly swinging it at the uh, Biden administration and just completely destroying its agenda. Time and time again, Joe Manchin comes out and says, no, I, 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 don't, I don't support <laughs> breaking up Bill Back Better. There, there are just deep issues that I have with whole swaths of, 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 of the legislation. And... So Joe Biden takes the question uh, uh, on Build Back Better. Well, well and, and see, he, contradic he, he contradicts his own White House, which just said, a spokesperson just said that there's, there, there's no truth to the notion that we'll break up Build Back Better. But, but here is Joe Biden saying uh, just the exact uh, opposite. Well, 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 we'll probably break it up. Cut six. Uh, it's clear to me that... Uh... Um, that we're going to have to uh, probably uh, break it up. Um, I think that we can get, and I've been talking to a number of my colleagues on the Hill, I think it's, it's clear that we would be able to get support for the, for the $500 plus billion for uh, energy and the environmental issues that are there, uh, number one. Uh, number two, uh, I know that... Uh, the two people who've opposed on the Democratic side, at least, um, 
support a number of the things that are in there. For example, Joe Manchin strongly supports early education, three and four years of age, strongly supports that. Um, there is strong support for, I think, uh, a number of uh, the way in which to pay for these, uh, uh, pay for this proposal. So I think there is, I'm not going to, I'm not going to negotiate against myself as to what should and shouldn't be in it, but I think we can break the package up, get as much as we can now, and come back and fight for the rest later. <laughs> just the, just, just, you don't have the votes, Joey. I, this, this press conference is amazing because if you just pull back and look at it, take the 30,000-foot view of it all, like this press conference leading up to it, this 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 ceremony in which he was Joe Biden was supposed to mark his first year in office. There's just so much bad juju out there for Democrats leading up to this thing. The presser was so bad. It was almost a Christopher Nolan length movie. Just almost two hours of just horrific messaging. The worst face for for bad policy. And Joe Biden. He's getting angry and enraged. He's shouting at reporter for daring to ask about how he, yeah, did compare, you know, Republicans and Democrats in the Senate to racist segregationists who oppose civil rights bills during the civil rights movement. He did all that. He was terrible. And 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 I, I flipped to CNN, MSNBC, but only on Fox News, the panel that they had. I think it was Ari Fleischer was like, boy, you think his poll numbers are bad now? <laughs> um, but 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 you got just 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 a, a, an avalanche of 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 bad news. This stuff is just brewing. The, the 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 biggest most consequential parts of the Democrat Party, the fundraising apparatus, the polling machines. The, the, the DNC's whole operation of actually galvanizing and, and being able to get enough staffers to actually staff campaigns. What Joe Biden's doing, what, what he has done in his first year, it, when, when, if, if, Demo, if Republicans just run smart, uh, you know, well-articulated, uh, deep thinkers in races, and, and we get everybody that we know and every and people that we don't know to, to, to vote for and support and donate to these smart people. If everything goes right, it's, it's, it's going to be massive. And I don't want to call it a red wave. I, I want to call it a, it's going to be a correction. We're talking about a huge fix to the problems that so many Democrats and Republicans have created in Washington, D.C., but 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 things like how Democrats are admitting that they're losing Latino voters, that they are actually are actually looking at the data. They're looking at the polls. They're looking at the surveys. They're looking at recent elections in Texas and Pennsylvania and Illinois and in deeply Hispanic districts in California. They're looking at this stuff and they're admitting now to their friends at Politico that they're losing support. Among vast sections of the Hispanic community. Joe Biden's approval rating again in a new poll at 34%. We talked about how he hit 33% in Quinnipiac. Procter and Gamble, I'll get to that later, says, well, 
prices are continue are going to continue to go up. It was just like a few weeks ago where Procter and Gamble was like, "Oh, we got to raise prices." That was a signal to their investors that they believe that their business model is strong enough that they can sustain raising prices. But they just said, "Oh, the prices are going to keep going up." I don't know how much you probably buy that Procter and Gamble is responsible for. Like the problems are are so deep and they're abiding. And then there's this backlog of just cratering support and Democrat policies doing what you might expect Democrat policies to do, piss off and turn away large voters of the American voter and an electorate that deserves better, that think they they should have better, that life shouldn't be so damn hard. But in this, this Republican instructionist, Extructionism has was like the feature of the first 30 minutes of the program on CNN at like 530 this morning. I'm looking at it in the anchor continuously ask the guests about Republican extructionism. That's going to I think that's going to be the talking point that they're going to run with. These people are absolutely crazy and stupid enough to do it. Meanwhile, they're throwing their own Democrats under the bus. It's not going to work. And I, <laughs> Joe Biden, he promised that he would get out there in this presser yesterday and said he's going to he's going to go talk to you guys. He's going to go to your town. He's going to get out there more. He's going to get out there more. Maybe that was to combat the fact that uh, Steve Stephen Nelson, at the New York Post, tabulated the numbers and found that 28 percent of the first year of Joe Biden's time in office. He, he actually spent it in, at his home in Delaware, Wilmington. Maybe that was what it is. And who the hell knows if Joe Biden's actually going to get out there? I want it. I want it to happen. I want Joe Biden to put his face and his fingerprints on all of this stuff. Because all of it, it belongs to him. All of it is the responsibility of the Democrats. This is just amazing. This is absolutely um, amazing. Joe Biden uh, saying that, well, in response to a question, with if the if the Democrats' voter bills don't pass, do you uh, do you think uh, that what what effect do you think that would have on people's ability to trust the outcome of elections? Joe Biden says, well, it depends. Quote: They could easily be illegitimate. End quote. <laughs> it's just you only say that if you if you are if you don't have a, a, a grip on 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 your thinking and, and you can't think clearly like you're not supposed to say certain things because I, I mean, at least at least we've all been told to question an election is 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 to 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 try to thwart and up in. The, the very democracy that this country exists on. That's that's what we've been told, even though Stacey Abrams is not conceded to her election loss in Georgia governor race. There's Joe Biden. Well, you know, the elections could easily be illegitimate. I mean, he's not the first. He's not unique. Hillary Clinton spent years. I'm telling you years because I researched it in my first book, just going back and, and looking at quotes of, of Hillary Clinton still in like 2018 blaming her election loss to, to Donald Trump on Putin, which is always an insult to you, the American voter. No, Hillary, the country didn't want you. Primary voters in 2008 didn't want you. 
And and the general uh, electorate didn't want you in 2016. It wasn't Putin. It was you. But now they're going to run her again. So that's just perfect. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed everything is getting expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008 with the government that's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is certainly here to stay. If the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So, how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They are the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 65532. Again, that's 866-670-7660. Or text ALEX to 6532. We were joined on the program by freshman Florida Republican Congresswoman Kat Kamick. The Congresswoman called Joe Biden's press conference a disaster. She spoke about the importance of keeping the Republican conference in the House from splintering and staying on message now so that should they win back the majority in November, the GOP will be ready to investigate corruption in Washington and deliver on the American first agenda items voters really want. Let's roll that. Joining the program right now, Congresswoman Kat Kamick representing the third congressional district in Florida, just a, just a little bit south of where I am, Congresswoman, here downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, we're technically neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had on, we got a great conference uh, here in Florida. I had on uh, your colleague Michael Waltz yesterday. Uh, I, yes. got to, I got to meet uh, Congressman Rutherford uh, about a month ago. Uh, Governor DeSantis was given a he was given a, a, a speech and rolling out some great immigration reforms. But I want to start here with you, Congresswoman. Yesterday's yeah. uh, presser from Joe Biden. Um, I watched it. I had colleagues, family, friends texting me words like insane uh, were used as a response to it. Um, what, what was your takeaway and your thoughts? Um, two hours of my life that I'll never get back. We can start there. Um, you know, I, what can you say about a man who just spews nonsense and lies outright? He's truly living in a in an alternate reality compared to the rest of us. 
when he talks about his initiative like Build Back Better, of course we all know that that's more like Build Back Broke, <clears throat> you see out of touch he is from everyday Americans. I mean, not a single one of his major initiatives has made it across the finish line and with good reason. And yet he still continues to push on this path of total destruction of the America as we know it, because really at the root of his agenda, it's dependency and control. And so while, while I understand he can't come out right and say, you know, listen, we're, we just want to take everything over. We want to nationalize and federalize everything so that we never lose another election. And you guys can be dependent on us and we'll make you as comfortable as we possibly can. If he had said that, that would have been a more honest speech than what came out of his mouth. But I heard more of a Biden bingo card of come on, man and pal. And it's not a joke. And yeah. the fact is, but every time he says the fact is, you know, it's not going to be a fact. It's going to be a lie. Right. So it's, again, just more misdirection and and, you know, smoke and mirrors from from the White House. But uh, very, very uncomfortable. And unfortunately, our, our adversaries around the world are watching this thinking, wow, this is the commander in chief of the United States. Noted. Yeah, there, it, it's such a good point. There were a few moments in the, the press conference where, you know, it, it's I don't know what it means to say that I'm just sort of shocked by his ability to just say insane things. But the American left media, the corporate Democrat media have been, you know, just browbeating anybody willing to just ask questions about the election, certainly when, you know, election security is warranted, should be investigated, should be looked at. Um, but but for Joe Biden to explicitly basically come out and say, quote, they could easily easily be illegitimate. Um, he's talking about the November midterm elections. He's tweeting things about, you know, you know, Jim Crow 2.0. It's about if your vote's going to be counted. I, I thought this was was a no, no for the left, even though Stacey Abrams has not conceded. Uh, in Georgia, <laughs> I just look at that and it's like, you know, it's the same press conference, Congresswoman, in which, you know, as you as you alluded to, he says wildly dangerous things about Russia. There's a difference between being rudderless and having no answers and contradicting like he did between, you know, the virus not going anywhere uh, but in you know in in it in it in it not in this not being the new normal, there's a difference between all of that. But some of the stuff that he said was absolutely dangerous. Um, and and at the top of that list was, you know, him delegitimizing an election that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it speaks volumes when people within his own party are distancing themselves. Of course, you know, we saw at the the Georgia rally. Uh, just a just a few weeks ago, that right. Stacey Abrams, you know, the the queen of lies and and untruth, wouldn't even show up for the president of the United States of her own party. She she wouldn't even show up for that rally. I mean, his approval numbers nationally are, are hovering around thirty three percent. His domestic policies are failing miserably. His party is in total disarray. We saw what happened last night with the Democrats in the Senate, and and keep in mind, you know. This is a man whose 40-year career in Washington, this is the son of the Senate. He is a, a swamp creature to the core and came out of the Senate. You think of all places he would be delivering wins there, and his own party is turning on him. 
And so domestically, it's a disaster, and abroad, it's dangerous. And and I think that's the most succinct way that we can sum up this administration. It's disaster here at home and dangerous abroad. Congresswoman Kat Kamek, Republican representing the 3rd District of Florida, joining the program right now. A caller pointed out something that was immediately noticed uh, within the sort of the, the editor's um, uh, of, of Breitbart News yesterday. It was the questions, and it was the topic that, that Joe Biden didn't bring up. And he also wasn't asked a question by the media in the room about immigration. Of course, that doesn't shock me or anybody under the sound of my voice. But it's such a huge issue. It's, it's definitely a top five issue uh, facing the country right now. The fact that we don't know who's here, the fact that, that we do know that there are dangerous people coming over the border, that there are drugs of an unknown amount coming over the over the border and weapons, um, and our and our 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 God blessed border agents are the resources are spread thin, you know Greg Abbott's literally building his own wall um, down there, and it just, and it just doesn't come up, um, and I and I feel like this is going to continue to happen, and it's going to be a major feature heading into November because again, like it's it's a major issue for the people. And he and Joe Biden gets up there and he's he's presenting himself as, you know, as, as being in tune and in touch. He, he he doesn't even pay lip service to it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the country is in crises. Right. And you can't walk down the street without being reminded of the failures of this administration. It doesn't matter if it's inflation. It doesn't matter if it's Afghanistan. It doesn't matter if it's the border, uh, the opioid epidemic, COVID. It doesn't matter. This president is so out of touch. That and, and yesterday, you know, your first question of, you know, was I shocked? You know, what, what was my impression? I, I, I never want to reach a point in our country where we would rather see our country fail than the man in the, in the White House succeed. I never want to get to that point. Right. I want our country to succeed every day. And that, that transcends party, that transcends everything, because it really gets down to who we are as, as a country, as a nation, and the oath that I took to the United States Constitution. I would love for him to stand up and say, you know what, I recognize that we have messed up. I recognize that we have done a lot to diminish the good work that was done in the administration previously. And I'm going to I'm going to own up to the fact that we have failed on this front. I and even just an acknowledgement of the crises that are occurring right now, because we obviously can't get them to to even acknowledge the border crisis, which is, in my opinion, the greatest national security threat that we are facing right now. And believe me, we have them coming at us from all angles, be it Russia, be it China, be it our national debt, you name it. The border, however, is such a pressing immediate crisis for him not to acknowledge that. It's, one, again, very dangerous. We, we know about the terrorists that have been apprehended. It makes you wonder about the terrorists coming across the border that haven't been apprehended, and we already know that there are over 500,000 gotaways that have been caught on camera or by an agent visually but haven't been apprehended. How many of those were terrorists? When is going to be the point where the left takes the border seriously? I don't know. Uh, But I do know that the whole reason that they are not acknowledging the crisis that it is is because it goes back to the political reality that they have to rely on open border policies in order to execute on their political agenda. That's all this is. It's politics over policy. It's really sad. Congresswoman Kat Kamek uh, joining the program. She represents the third district uh, of Florida. So you 
I mean, you, you really haven't been in office long and you haven't really been in politics that long, but you are about to uh, be serving in the United States House of, of Representative Congresswoman at a time in which you, 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 the Republican Party is going to be given a huge opportunity here. Um, and the mandate is going to be very strong. We've seen what has happened in some um, some smaller state elections in Texas and Iowa and Connecticut. Uh, Republicans flipping a state, a state Senate seat for the first time in decades, and obviously Virginia and New Jersey. Um, my big question, or one of my big questions is, are, 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 are the conversations being had now? Our own Matt Boyle specifically asked uh, Minority Leader McCarthy what the agenda items are going to be what 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 is the conference you know again assuming should you uh take control at least in the house of representatives what are your big major issues in terms of of cleaning up the mess i mean we've, we're talking about immigration here but there are also yeah. so many well first it's i i feel overwhelmingly confident that we will take the house back and not by a small margin but by a tsunami wave of sorts uh, that will likely be historic. So I, I feel incredibly confident we will take the House back and even the Senate. Beyond that, we have a track record. And, and by we, I mean, of course, I'm a freshman, so this is my first term and yeah. um, I wasn't here previously. But Republicans have a history, a track record of really fracturing and falling apart when it counts. Right. And so my goal is to really kind of act as a, a bridge or a broker to help hold the conference together because we have to earn the trust of the American people back. It is, it is just not given. We have to earn it back because when we had the House, the Senate, and the White House, we failed on a number of initiatives that were really important. We got some wins across, uh, but President Trump had to do a lot on his own. And it was because we were so fractured within our own conference. So my goal is to make sure that we are one team, one mission. Right. And I think in order to take that first step in earning the trust back, we need to be focused on oversight and accountability. Every single committee in Congress being led by a Republican, that is an opportunity for us to hold people accountable who have gone for too long without any consequences. And I can't tell you hmm. how frustrating it is as a member to sit here and watch these these double set of standards yeah. of it's rules for thee but not for me and if you're politically connected if you are the political elites in this in this nation you somehow get to slide by and you live by a different set of rules and laws and so that needs to change immediately and i think that's going to go a long way in correcting so many of the wrongs that have gone on um, I mean, starting from Hillary Clinton to Eric Holder to, um, I mean, you can go down the list. We have a lot. I mean, my eyes are on Secretary Mayorkas uh, for his failures yes. and his lies at the at the border and how he has contributed to making our country less safe. There, Hunter Biden, I mean, just go down the list. We need to be doing incredibly in-depth, focused investigations. So accountability is going to be a, a top theme for us in the 118th. Beyond that, with us having the House and, and potentially the Senate in the 118th Congress, we're still dealing with a Democrat president who will likely try to veto everything we put on his desk. So right. our goal is to have a very aggressive approach on 
a handful of items that will have the most impact in making the lives of Americans better and restoring the freedoms and liberties that we are guaranteed that the government has slowly eroded away. So instead of trying to take on this massive agenda of, you know, 25 different items that, (laughs) you know, maybe we'll get a half of the way there, I would like us to focus on a handful of things that we know we can get across the finish line in a big way. But more than that, we can all collectively, as one team, one mission, message and communicate and educate the American public on why it's so important these things pass and basically put put Biden in a position where he is the boogeyman. He is the bad guy if he doesn't want to sign these bills, because we have a mandate at that point from the American people that this is what they want. This is what we need. And he has to make the decision. Is he going to do what's best for the country or is he going to do what's best for his political party? And that's the question that we want him to be answering every single day. And that tees up the fight for 24. Yeah. That's where I think we need to be headed. You uh, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth. This November has to, you have to do that, like the off, go on offense. You, you, I think you said it, the Democrats with these, these phony committees and the leaks to the media, they're just running a mass messaging campaign. And it's all a deflection. And I just think like issues like education, um, I, 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 I think I think Republicans would have 80, 90 percent of the country on their side, obviously, because yeah. with the school closures, the upending of parents' lives, they're playing parent and part teacher. I just think of just like one issue like that alone. We know Joe Biden would never sign, you know, the legislation into law, freeing up states, breaking the back of the teachers unions. We know that wouldn't happen. But putting him in a position to defending these teachers unions when we've seen them time and time again, not only uh, pushing for strikes, but just the stuff that they're teaching in the classroom and these wild political demands that they're bringing to the negotiation table. But just one issue like that just blow a massive hole in the Democrat strategy and put Joe Biden on defense, make them defend this horrible stuff that, that quite frankly, Mm -hmm. has ignited a lot of parents in this country. Well, and that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's as simple as parents have the 100% absolute (laughs) right to know what their children are being taught, know that their children are not being forced uh, into uncomfortable situations in school, uh, that they, they don't need to be wearing masks in school. Uh, You know, these are all things that we know to be true. And yet the teachers unions have stood up and said, no, we know better than parents how to educate children in consultation with big federal bureaucrats in Washington that are operating out of a basement somewhere. That does not sit well with a parent, regardless of party affiliation. When you tell a parent that no, that we know better than you. So I think just like we saw in the Yunkin race, a lot of mama bears came out. Parents started seeing what their kids were being taught, how the teachers were operating with their children. And I think that is really a lesson to be learned as we head into the midterms. It's the issues around the kitchen table that are driving the conversations that people care about. And that's what we need to be focusing on. There's a lot of important issues, but If you're not talking about the things that everyday Americans are concerned about, that they're talking about at dinner time, or after they put the kids to bed, like that's where you're missing the mark. And I think that's where we have an incredible opportunity. You know, um, we just 
uh, introduced on the House side a uh, a bill that is the Keep, Keep Our Kids in School Act of 22. Yeah. And basically it prevents the unspent COVID-19 relief funding from going to the elementary and secondary schools if they do not allow kids uh, to be in person, in for in-person instruction on a full-time basis because what we're seeing is this this funding is going to these school districts. They're using it for anything but the purposes that it was intended. And, I mean, in Alachua County and my own, I mean, obviously you're in Jacksonville, so you're in Duval. Um, in Alachua County, we've had a real challenge with our school board. They use those COVID relief dollars to pay the salaries of school board members rather than actually paying for the necessity, uh, the necessities that they would require in the classroom to get kids back in school. This is ridiculous. It's a total free-for-all, and we've never been more flush with cash across all agencies. Right. So there needs to be a real strong oversight in how these dollars are being spent, and we need to put our foot down and say, you're not getting this money. If you don't have kids in school, why would we continue to give you millions and millions of dollars for COVID protection if you're doing distance digital learning. That doesn't make any sense, and yet that has been happening across the country. And you have to wonder, where is this money going? There's no accountability for this. And so I'm really proud that we um, we got that introduced. Uh, we have a Senate sponsor. Uh, Senator Marco Rubio is, is our Senate lead. And I think it's a, a good first step in getting some control and some sanity back into the equation as we're talking about um, how we can reassert Congress in getting things under control and making sure that parents have a have a voice at the table and really restricting the power of these bureaucrats. It's good stuff. Congresswoman, I appreciate you joining the program this morning. Hey, thank you so much. Have a great week. Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most impactful conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Jack Posobiec, senior editor at Human Events, also joined the program. Jack said Biden's terrible press conference is just more evidence that he was always going to be a terrible president. Jack also says he's seeing more and more signs that Hillary Clinton is gearing up to make a political comeback. Jack, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me this morning. So you've been following politics for a long time. 
Um, have you ever seen anything like well, the display almost two hours long that we saw from Joe Biden? Um, we, we've seen the Republicans sound off on it. We've seen the fallout, his own press secretary having to do cleanup duty over his comments about Russia and Ukraine. But um, did, were you shocked, surprised at all? Or did you see this being the unmitigated disaster that it turned out to be? Well, I tell you, the the main thing for me was the fact that, you know, Jen Psaki, she's in that room and yet doesn't at some point come in and decide to take control. Look, if you're going to be a staffer, and I know a lot of staffers here in D.C., you know, you got to understand that sometimes you got to walk in and say, all right, you know, that's enough time for, uh, for the senator, for the president right now. Thank you very much. Yeah. And if you have any other questions, you can submit them. And yet she doesn't do that, which leads me to believe that this was him. And there's, there's, there's a phrase they use for Joe Biden every once in a while. Some of his staff, they call him Big Boy Biden sometimes. Oh, boy. Because he oh just boy. gets a little bit cantankerous and mm-hmm. says, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to do it myself and you're not going to stop me. And, and I think that he probably must have put his foot down and said, I'm going to stand up there for two hours and take questions because, look, he still thinks, look, you saw this. Remember that time when he was trying to run up the steps on Air Force One and he had that little he had that little trip, that little incident? Sure, That's sure. because he still thinks he's the kid from Delaware who just got elected to Senate before he turned 30, right? Yeah. In his mind, he hasn't internalized any of the things that are going on, and so he doesn't realize the position that he's actually in. This is a good point because I opened the program by playing James Rosen, asking Joe Biden if he has any thoughts, any response, anything to say about uh, you know this, this morning concert, morning consult survey, for instance, where forty percent of voters say that he uh, is not mentally fit to do the job. Rosen and you. I played the audio, but you listen to Rosen ask the question. He says, I'm going to approach a delicate subject. You can hear his voice. He's being very sober and calm about it. And he asked the president, like 49% of the country says you're mentally unfit to do the job. And Joe Biden just, well, I don't know. Like He just, I don't know, which is ironic because the question is specifically asking you if you have any idea why half the country doesn't think that you're mentally fit to do the job. He ironically answers, I don't know. It, it, it speaks directly to what you were saying. He is a legend in his own mind. I mean, there is out of touch, and then there is Joe Biden living on another planet. While all of the evidence is staring him in his face, that he has been a failure. Not even his own friendly media can carry the water for him. Well, and, and, and you have to say, look, you have to ask the questions of the people around him. People like Ron Klain the chief of staff of the White House, people like Jill Biden, the first lady, who, of course, knows him best, people like Jen Psaki, uh, Steve Reschetti, other top staffers who spend all this time with him. And you have to say, look, if this is what we're getting in public, what's going on in private, right? You know, this isn't a situation where, you know, these two hours, he's worse than before. No, this is obviously something that they've seen, they've documented. But I tell you what, there are three entities who are paying very close attention to that press conference. The leaders of Ukraine, the leaders of Taiwan and Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, marked by words, is putting together a potential exploratory campaign to either primary oh Joe God. Biden. I've been reporting on this at Human Events for over a month now to either primary him or run if he does not run. Now, we know that she's met with uh, Kamala Harris in the White House, so those two are cooking something up. Oh and now all goodness. of a sudden you see this Wall Street Journal article, Doug Schoen's out there. Now they're on CNN talking about, you know, is Hillary our best hope for 2024? 
this is coming. She is looking for a comeback. This, my mouth is watering right now uh, because I, I think you're right. I, I didn't know how to um, accept this when Alex brought it up on an editorial call a few months ago. But he, his basic point was Hillary, dark horse. I didn't know how to accept it at the time. But I have come to realize, like, but what else do now. they? What else? What <laughs> else do they have? You had um, uh, Chris Saliza. What was that? A month ago, she was at the top of the list. He had like a dozen other potential candidates. Right. You know, right. Dick Morris just came out a few days ago on some big podcast and said Hillary could come. But she is. She's perfect. What is the American left now? If it is not just these institutions, just just trying to hold on to power. They've all been exposed. The corporate media as hypocrites, social media. There's no more powerful argument than, hell, if they can kick the president off the platform, what can they do to us? They stifled the New York Post. Everybody wanted to know about what was going on with the laptop. Um, Hollywood's been exposed. China's cut them off. They've gone after the military. Uh, the Congress's polling polling numbers has never (laughs) been lower. Hillary Clinton could be that 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 crusty glue that just pieces together what remains of of what i believe is a, is an american left and all of its factions it's just kind of in tatters right now uh i i i kind of love it too because primary voters didn't want her in 08 the country didn't want her in 16 i like doubling nope. tripling down on stupid Right, and you look at their bench, right? So they're uh, other than her, their top three, right? Were who? Kamala Harris, who I think we can all just say it's it's not happening. If it were going to happen, it would happen by now. And then the next two were the two their two most prominent governors, and who were those? Gavin Newsom, uh-huh. who just survived a recall attempt. He's not going to play outside of California, where he doesn't have access to that Getty money. And then number two, of course, was Andrew Cuomo. Remember, they were all talking about draft Cuomo twenty twenty four. There were even people talking about draft Cuomo for 2020, and he got the huge star turn. He got that massive push with his book, and now he has to turn back over all the royalties. You know, he's going to be lucky at this point if he stays out of a jail cell. That's how bad the Democrats' um, bench is. It's so bad, they're looking at Secretary Pete Buttigieg, a guy who is the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who, you know, he can't get the airports running because of 5G. He can't get people off of I-95 because it's snowed and they're stuck for 40 hours. They're literally looking at a guy like that as president because they have nowhere else to turn. So Hillary Clinton, being the famous, you know, infamous opportunist that she is, mm-hmm. is looking at this situation. She's reading the tea leaves and she's saying, you know what? I can come in and I can beat them in a primary. And she might just be right. Human events editor joining us right now, Jack Posobiec. So you're saying that Kamala Harris doing the Chuck Taylors and, and, and joining her sorority members in the in the lineup that that's that's not gonna it's not gonna work for the country. I mean it it is it is I fascinating. Mean, no offense to the K Hive, yeah. you know, far be it for me to call out the K Hive, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't know if the K Hive has, has got what it takes, you know, for the big league. That's all I'm saying. How how does the media play into this? Um, because I've noticed this in sound bites, and you know one. One uh, br- brutal beatdown, I think Danny, uh, Donnie Deutsch on MSNBC uh, last Friday said that Joe Biden doesn't feel like he's in control, doesn't feel like he's in command. You can always 
count on Joe Scarborough to say it, but but even Joe Scarborough's blasting him, talking about how he's he doesn't know why Joe Biden has ran as a leftist. It's failed. But now you got CNN Van Jones coming out and saying that Biden was foggy and meandering. Uh, his agenda is failing. I, I'm curious to because I think the Democrats they can't even draft people here in Florida, Jack, to run for Congress. But the media and a lot of people think that the media has a ton of influence. CNN can't even get 500 people to watch them in prime time, but they still have to report. They still have to comment and bloviate. I just feel like it's it's going to be very interesting to watch them carry the water for for a Democrat Party that is probably going to be like wiped out like something we've never seen in a handful of months. Well, interestingly enough, the situation has changed because Donald Trump is sort of more on the sidelines now. Look, none of these things that all of us are saying about Joe Biden were not true in 2020 when he ran or, you know, refused to run from his, you know, sort of basement with the little press conferences down there. It is, uh, you know, his Skype studio. Everyone who was actually paying attention to him at this time could see all of the exact same signs. We could have told you quite clearly this is what was going to happen. But the media, the left, and I got to say it, a lot of independents were paying attention more to Donald Trump. They were very worried about COVID at the time. They, you know, Anthony Fauci was out there telling them that the president, you know, was wasn't following the guidance, et cetera, et cetera. Now with Omicron, I think a lot of a lot of that those preconditions, a lot of those precepts have changed, and yet they weren't paying attention to Joe Biden. It was just this huge campaign against Trump, against Trump, and you know the, the drums were just rattling every day against Trump. And so now that they are actually taking a serious look at Joe Biden, they're stepping back and saying, oh, my gosh, what have we done? You know, Joe Biden's a guy who who bailed out the first two times he ran for president. He's never been a leader before. He's always been a number two. So before he was the number two to Barack Obama. And now he's the number two to, you know, whoever's in the room or whoever he's on the phone with, whether that be Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping. Robert Gates told us that uh, Joe Biden's been wrong on every international issue ever. For 40 years. That was in 2014. The former defense secretary said that. I think it was a year ago. Obama said, don't don't put it past Joe Biden. I, I, did yep. he use the F word? <laughs> I think he, he did. That, so it was a report from Politico from Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan Lizza. And he said, don't don't uh, underestimate Biden's ability to F things up. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the quote from Politico. So I'll, I'll leave it there. You know, I, I hesitate to ask this question. I just had uh, Florida freshman congresswoman uh, Kat Kamick on, and you know, I'm 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 trying to sort of ask her fair questions. She wasn't in Congress when when Paul Ryan was like introducing amnesty bills, uh, when there was Trump in the White House and then majorities in both the House and the Senate. How do Republicans handle what we all assume? Uh, will will be them having a very comfortable majority in the House and maybe... Look, here, uh, here's the thing that I'm seeing from Republicans right now is yeah. they seem very content to rest on their laurels and ride to victory over the back of Joe Biden and his mm-hmm. failures. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good. But at the same time, if they want to stick the landing, if Republicans want to stick the landing, they need to have a strategy to govern from day one. And I haven't seen that yet, whether it be from Kevin McCarthy or whether it be from the Freedom Caucus. I haven't seen that Republican plan, that conservative agenda to say we are going to return the country to normalcy. We're going to look. You just saw Boris Johnson. And I understand that he's got, you know, kind of a cloud of controversy over him. But he comes out and he says, look, the science says that we can pull back (laughs) on these vaccine mandates. We can pull back on lockdowns, on masks. 
Where's the Republicans coming up and saying, we are the ones who can take up the mantle of a return to normalcy? That is what you need. You need that on, on the pandemic front, on COVID-19, as well as, by the way, getting into the origins of where this came from in the Wuhan lab and any potential funding of gain-of-function research from the NIH and Dr. Fauci. That's number two. And then number three, of course, is big tech, the censorship, the deplatforming that we're seeing not only from social media, but even from some of these digital payment processors and even banks. So you have those three prongs right now, and I think that Republicans will be able to stick the landing, and then they can be the ones set up for a generational majority in Congress. Our own Matt Boyle had McCarthy. It was was a great interview um, on camera, and McCarthy laid out some good stuff, like almost like a contract with America type thing. On your last point, I don't think they know what to do with big tech. I honestly don't think they know what to do, whether it be uh, regulatorily, uh, through agencies, I just I don't think they've got it all figured out. And I also don't even know if the political will is there. I would throw in education. I just I've been writing about this stuff. You know, Jason Matera was my editor at Human Events 13 years ago. The polling has been staring us in the face. Black, Hispanic, white, middle class, uneducated parents want to be able to take their kids out of failed schools that their politicians don't even send their kids to and let their money go where they want their kids to be educated. And we've seen it like it's 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 staring us in the face like Virginia. Yeah. Right. This was the silver lining of the pandemic and the lockdowns was because you you moved all these Zoom classrooms and then suddenly parents are now over the shoulder of of Junior and Little Muffy and you're able to see what they're actually being taught in the classroom and they find out, wait a minute, what's all this stuff about? This isn't what I what I was paying for if it was a private school or isn't what my tax dollars are going to in a public school. And suddenly you realize the massive problems that we have. So people like Chris Angelo, people like Chris Rufo out, that have been out there talking about not only CRT, but just the failings of our public school system. Meanwhile, well, again, you've got over in China, you know, they're focusing on STEM. They are focusing on anything they can do to actually bring their country forward where we in the u.s you know it's indoctrination it's all this political plays or you know you got a situation where the parents the teachers don't even want to come in and the kids are left to fend for themselves jack this this has been fun i appreciate you so much for joining the program god bless man. i appreciate you coming on our caller of the day is steve in illinois steve said he's frustrated with republicans failing to fight back right now and push out their ideas and call out all of Washington corruption. Hey, the reason I called that congresswoman you just had on and the different ones I listened to, oh, you wait until midterms. Uh, you wait until we take back in Congress. We'll really fight. Well, wait a minute. We're sent, we sent them there when we elected them to fight. Why in the hell ain't they fighting right now? Yeah. Well, they lost the majority in 2018. I think Democrats won about... 40, 46 seats. She talked about legislation that seemed pretty common sense to me, where the money intended to go to a specific program can't be used and spent to, to, to pay salaries somewhere else. But the problem is, is that Republicans are in the minority. Um, well, at least, even, at if least... The, even if the Democrats are in the minority, they don't ever stop fighting. They keep going for their objective. The Republicans sit back and say, well, hell, we lost. Wait till next time. This is not a football game, you know? No, no, no but Steve, do you have, like, a, an example of the last time, like, in 2016 or 2017 or 2018 even, when Democrats were in the minority, 
that they you say kept fighting. I, do you have an example of that? Because I will say that Paul Ryan, it, it the problem is, and I didn't ask a congresswoman this because she she wasn't even in Congress then, but Paul Ryan was introducing amnesty in those years where he was Speaker of the House. Like, I don't remember Democrats doing much fighting. But I, I remember, like, Republicans completely doing stupid stuff like that but but do, do, i mean is there is there do you are there examples of how democrats keep fighting when they're in the minority yes but i mean i'm I'm not grabbing anything right off the top of my head but chuck schumer any i mean just may, go down the list they never I, stop fighting i hear i hear what you i hear what you're saying what comes to mind for me is the Russiagate, the lies, the Pfizer court, the DOJ being weaponized against the Trump campaign, and then the Trump administration, Hillary Clinton, the day after she lost the election, meeting with Democrat operatives, meeting with media members, Democrat corporate media members, to push and peddle the lie that the election was illegitimate. That, that to me, is the type of stuff that comes to mind. And you know, it it is it is it it becomes a psychological operation on the entire country in terms of just this mass gaslighting. It feels like, well, hell, like Donald Trump just won the election. We have majorities in the House and in the Senate, and the only thing we're talking about is 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 Vladimir Putin somehow like convinced. You know, eleven thousand people in Michigan, more of them to vote for 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 Trump than Hillary Clinton. I get what you're saying, but I think it's it's the way in which it it looks at the time in the way that we remember it. What you're saying is, and what I what I know I want, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Steve. I want the the Republicans every single day use the hundreds of millions of dollars that they're raising for these campaigns. I just want billboards. I want the TV screens plastered with all of Joe Biden's failures, all of his gaffes, where he's failed to 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 fulfill promises. I want I want the radio airwaves filled. I want every every YouTube six second ad to be a reminder to the American people of how Joe Biden has failed. That that's the stuff that that I'd like to see now today before campaigns even kick off. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. But really, how can 325 million people sit back and let one man shut down the entire oil industry in the United States? One guy did that. Not not, not anybody else. I think it's 325 million to one. Yeah. Steve, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I got American power. That is the show. Thanks so much for supporting the podcast and Breitbart News. This is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.